This is Chapter 16 of The Boy's Life of Mark Twain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. The Boy's Life of Mark Twain by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 16 The Pilot. For Samuel Clemens, these were happy days, the happiest in some respects he would ever know. He had plenty of money now. He could help his mother with a liberal hand, and could put away fully a hundred dollars a month for himself. He had few cares, and he loved the ease and romance and independence of his work as he would never quite love anything again. His popularity on the river was very great. His humorous stories and quaint speech made a crowd collect wherever he appeared. There were pilot association rooms in St. Louis and New Orleans, and his appearance at one of these places was a signal for the members to gather. A friend of those days writes, He was much given to spinning yarns so funny that his hearers were convulsed, and yet all the time his own face was perfectly sober. Occasionally some of his droll yarns got into the papers. He may have written them himself. Another old river man remembers how one day at the association they were talking of presence of mind in an accident, when Pilot Clemens said, "'Boys, I had great presence of mind once. It was at a fire. An old man leaned out of a four-story building calling for help. Everybody in the crowd below looked up, but nobody did anything. The ladders weren't long enough. Nobody had any presence of mind. Nobody but me. I came to the rescue. I yelled for a rope. When it came, I threw the old man the end of it. He caught it, and I told him to tie it around his waist. He did so, and I pulled him down. This was a story that found its way into print, probably his own contribution. "'Sam was always scribbling when not at the wheel,' said Bixby. "'But the best thing he ever did was the burlesque of old Isaiah Sellers. He didn't write it for print, but only for his own amusement and to show to a few of the boys. Bart Bowen, who was with him on the Edward J. Gay at the time, got hold of it, and gave it to one of the New Orleans papers.' The burlesque on Captain Sellers would be of little importance if it were not for its association with the origin, or at least with the originator, of what is probably the best known of literary names, the name Mark Twain. This strong, happy title, a river term indicating a depth of two fathoms on the sounding line, was first used by the old pilot Isaiah Sellers, who was a sort of oldest inhabitant of the river with a passion for airing his ancient knowledge before the younger men. Sellers used to send paragraphs to the papers, quaint and rather egotistical in tone, usually beginning, "'My opinion for the citizens of New Orleans,' etc., prophesying river conditions and recalling memories as far back as 1811. These he generally signed Mark Twain. Naturally, the younger pilots amused themselves by imitating Sellers, and when Sam Clemens wrote a broad burlesque of the old man's contributions, relating a perfectly impossible trip, supposed to have been made in 1763 with a Chinese captain and a Choctaw crew, it was regarded as a masterpiece of wit. 
it appeared in the true delta in may eighteen fifty nine and broke captain sellers literary heart he never wrote another paragraph clemens always regretted the whole matter deeply and his own revival of the name afterward was a sort of tribute to the old man he had thoughtlessly and unintentionally wounded old pilots of that day remembered samuel clemens as a slender fine-looking man well-dressed even dandified generally wearing blue serge with fancy shirts white duck trousers and patent leather shoes a pilot could do that for his surroundings were speckless the pilots regarded him as a great reader a student of history travels and the sciences in the association rooms they often saw him poring over serious books he began the study of french one day in new orleans when he had passed a school of languages where french german and italian were taught one in each of three rooms the price was twenty-five dollars for one language or three for fifty the student was provided with a set of conversation cards for each and was supposed to walk from one apartment to another changing his nationality at each threshold the young pilot with his usual enthusiasm invested in all three languages but after a few round trips decided that french would do he did not return to the school but kept the cards and added textbooks he studied faithfully when off watch and in port and his old river notebook still preserved contains a number of advanced exercises neatly written out still more interesting are the river notes themselves they are not the timid hesitating memoranda of the little book which by bixby's advice he bought for his first trip they are quick vigorous records that show confidence and knowledge under the head of second high water trip january eighteen sixty one alonzo child the notes tell the story of a rising river with overflowing banks blind passages and cut-offs a new river in fact that must be judged by a perfect knowledge of the old guessed but guessed right good deal of water all over coles creek chute twelve or fifteen feet bank could have gone up above general taylor's too much drift night didn't run either seventy-seven or seventy-six towheads eight foot bank on main shore ozark chute to the reader to-day it means little enough but one may imagine perhaps a mile-wide sweep of boiling water full of drift shifting currents with newly forming bars and a lone figure in the dark pilot-house peering into the night for blind and disappearing landmarks but such nights were not all there was of piloting there were glorious nights when the stars were blazing out and the moon was on the water and the young pilot could follow a clear channel and dream long dreams he was very serious at such times he reviewed the world's history he had read he speculated on the future he considered philosophies he lost himself in a study of the stars mark twain's love of astronomy which never waned until his last day began with those lonely river watches once a great comet blazed in the sky a wonderful sheaf of light and glorified his long hours at the wheel samuel clemens was now twenty-five full of health and strong in his courage in the old notebook there remains a well-worn clipping the words of some unknown writer which he may have kept as a sort of creed how to take life take it just as though it was as it is 
an earnest, vital, and important affair. Take it as though you were born to the task of performing a merry part in it, as though the world had awaited for your coming. Take it as though it was a grand opportunity to do and achieve, to carry forward great and good schemes, to help and cheer a suffering, weary, it may be heartbroken, brother. Now and then a man stands aside from the crowd, labors earnestly, steadfastly, confidently, and straightway becomes famous for wisdom, intellect, skill, greatness of some sort. The world wonders, admires, idolizes, and it only illustrates what others may do if they take hold of life with a purpose. The miracle, or the power that elevates the few, is to be found in their industry, application, and perseverance under the promptings of a brave, determined spirit. Bixby and Clemens were together that winter on The Child, and were the closest friends. Once the young pilot invited his mother to make the trip to New Orleans, and the river journey and a long drive about the beautiful southern city filled Jane Clemens with wonder and delight. She no longer had any doubts of Sam. He had long since become the head of the family. She felt called upon to lecture him now and then, but down in her heart she believed that he could really do no wrong. They joked each other unmercifully, and her wit, never at a loss, was quite as keen as his. End of chapter 16